think that this is a challenge which a lot of the early Web3 games have, is that the focus is not on gameplay. And the focus and the positioning of the game is that, hey, look, this is a place for you to come and make money. When that happens, the core cohort of users who are there in it for just the gameplay is missing. And I think that that is a big problem. Because for the game economy to be sustainable, there has to be a stable and substantial majority of gamers who are there in it for the gameplay. Welcome to Prime Venture Partners Podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to build and grow their startups. Learn about uncommon strategies and common traps from makers and doers of startup ecosystem. Welcome to this hallway conversation on Web3 Gaming. This is Gaurav Ranjan, part of the investment team at Prime. And I have with me Shripati Acharya, managing partner at Prime, who looks at gaming and Web3 Gaming. So Shripati, let me start with a very basic question. What is Web2 Gaming? How do you define Web2 Gaming? So Web2 Gaming is, uh, simply put, games as we uh, used to know them. So yeah. they are console games, they are PC games, could be mobile games, wherein... Mostly, uh, the players are coming in. They are, uh, they are, these are free-to-play games. So you come in, you start playing the game, and then you have a number of avenues with which you can um, upgrade, right? You grind and uh, get higher skill levels, and you'll have in-game uh, purchases. You might buy more tokens or what have you, or artifacts like a sword or a skin, uh, like in Fortnite, and then continue playing, right? These are multiplayer games. These are online uh, games. So yes. this is how the games have been for really the last 10 years. I think uh, probably becoming a lot more prevalent after the advent of the iPhone in terms of uh, this level of uh, this kind of structure to the game wherein you come in as a free-to-play, you get more uh, proficient at the game, you buy some uh, in-game yep. uh, tokens and assets and then you, you just continue on from there. Right. So, so far, I mean, Web2 games have been, I mean, addressing the core user need for entertainment and fun. Right? We've seen that. That's why most of the users come. Uh, of late, we have seen a lot of uptick in Web3 gaming. Uh, people have started building games in the Web3 world. For our listeners, if you could just speak a little bit about what Web3 game means. How does it work? Yeah, so the uh, whole idea about just taking a step back, right? So... Uh, crypto means that you have tokens or assets sitting on a distributed computing infrastructure because each chain essentially yeah. is a distributed computer. Right? Yeah. Bitcoin is a more special purpose computer, but all other uh, Ethereum-based chains uh, are more uh, general purpose uh, computers in which there is compute, there is storage and all those kind of things. And when we look at uh, what is it that is stored in these chains, it can be currencies or it can be things, right? Yeah. Any digital object. Uh, and think about what you do in a game. So suppose you are playing a game in which uh, you have a certain character and that character now has got more uh, strength, it's got more power, it's got greater uh, you know, you know, attributes which it has gained over time. Now, this character is sitting inside the game, inside the, essentially, the ecosystem of that game, which the game developer entirely controls, all right? Yeah. So now what Web3 Gaming enables uh, 
both the developer to do and for the for the gamers to enjoy is actually having their own control of the assets which they have in the game so currently if the game disappears let's for the moment say that fortnite shuts down tomorrow right then all the assets which are sitting inside and whatever levels which you have reached in that game and it could be you know fortnite or it could be super mario or it could be any of those things they will also all shut down and they will disappear because all that data and that information is sitting inside a storage which is controlled by that game by the game developer uh, which is what the web 2 uh, games have so the promise of web 3 gaming is that those assets are now sitting in an independent chain storage and compute which is a chain and if even if the game disappears the asset which is essentially a digital token does not disappear right so you should really uh, if you're familiar with nfts you can think of it like an nft it is sitting somewhere and nobody else can take it away from you now of course if the game disappears there is a different question which is well where will you use that yeah. character right <laughs> uh you know which is sitting on this chain but at least technically you are uh, you are owner of that right yeah. and that, that particular thing cannot be taken away from you that's one the second more interesting thing is actually around the marketplace mm-hmm. which is that i can uh, tell you gaurav why don't you you want to buy this particular player you can take it uh, take it from me and that transaction can entirely occur outside the um, the game ecosystem in which you are operating so in which the asset uh, derives its value from so which means that the marketplace can be open now technically this marketplace can be operated inside the game itself and whatever the rules are can be uh, what uh, can be implemented here but when you have a marketplace sitting on a chain it just lends itself to a higher level of transparency and trust among the users uh, so the rules of the marketplace for instance which uh, which are determined by the smart contracts governing those uh, the transfers are both transparent and visible to everybody and they technically cannot easily be changed uh, without everybody else knowing about it whereas if it is sitting inside a game it is just a piece of code which changes and the next day you might find that you know maybe the transfer fees was One dollar for each uh, uh, each token, and suddenly it's now five dollars, and you cannot do anything about it. Those kind of activities uh, just are harder to do, or are, are going to be totally transparent if you're doing it on the chain. Right. So one key take takeaway that I had here was on the marketplace side. Right. So earlier, as I said, people do play games more for entertainment and fun. Now, what marketplace enables is let it lets people trade their assets, in-game assets, which was not the case earlier. they can trade in an open market right so that does add another incentive around making some money or gaining something out of the game beyond the entertainment and fun that you had is that the right way to look at it yeah it is because the what makes web3 uh, gaming and web3 in general is that it incorporates economics in a very core way inside it right uh, because there is money involved here there's an yeah. exchange of value which is going on and in this particular case a game developer for game uh, for gamers themselves it's uh, you know web3 is exciting because they can actually go and trade as we talked about and it's open and transparent and they own uh, they own the assets themselves for the developers it is exciting because now their economy which previously consisted of you know having a small percentage of the free to play gamers 
becoming in-app purchasers, like paying users. Now you have in-app purchases plus all this entire transfer which is going on. And typically what uh, the game can do is say, hey, look, certain percentage of this transfer, maybe 5%, maybe 10%, maybe more, uh, is actually going back to the game developer. So any current and future transfers of that asset can always be... um, Revenue generating. Can be revenue generating. And that can be a significant part of the revenue. Now, there's a third piece here, which is, uh, and you can talk about Axie later, but the game itself can have tokens which are trading openly in a chain. So, for instance, suppose game had in-game tokens. You yeah. had, you know, some coins or, uh, you know, gold or whatever it is which, which you would do. So, normally, you would go and buy those things, use them inside the game. Uh, you would pay currency, fiat currency, to go and buy those, uh, those kind of uh, in-game coins. Use those in-game coins to buy things and then uh, move on. But those in-game coins, now think of them if they were actually trading as tokens on an open chain, themselves can have current, uh, its own marketplace. So there, there are other elements of the game assets which can also reside on the chain wherein the market economy can, can come into play. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder for me to imagine how the game makes money in, in, in those cases. But I mean, that's another aspect which is, which is there in Web3 gaming. Got it. A little bit more on the, uh, the business model or the economics of these games, right? So earlier in the Web2 version, you could make money by in-app purchases, or recently we saw a lot of real money gaming coming up uh, where people deposit money and then play games and then yeah. win or lose, right? If you think of Web3 games, uh, right? One the, one way of monetizing there is why, why exchanging assets, in-game assets, right? But what are the other ways of monetization for games, uh, for game publishers and developers? How should one think about it? For game game developers, they can actually think about uh, there are actually this notion of play to earn. Maybe that, right. that's what you're referring to here, uh, Gaurav. So it started actually and was pioneered by Axie Infinity. So Axie Infinity itself was started back in 2017-18. So it's a reasonably old game. And in 2021, 20, uh, they actually even went ahead and created their own chain uh, where uh, it's called Ronin. So that it really made uh, the gas fees really come down. And that really led to the entire transaction volume hmm. going through the roof. And this was combined with what happened during COVID. Uh, so there was really a perfect storm in terms of uh, uh, what uh, what happened with Axie Infinity. So very quickly, so Axie Infinity is a game in which you need to buy a certain number of NFTs uh, in order to enter the game. So you really right. need to pay to enter. So you need to pay to play to actually enter the game in the first place. So in this case, you had, it's a Pokemon-like game. So you have to buy three characters uh, and then you enter the game. And then you play and then you fight and you win certain battles and then the uh, characters evolve, they grow and so forth, get more powers. And then you can sell those characters. So that was the earn part in, mm. the, in, in the game. So uh, players would come in, they would pay to actually get, uh, get into the game. So that's how the game, uh, the game itself is making money. Then they would participate in the gameplay. And then others who wanted to buy these uh, um, these basically NFTs or characters inside the game to go ahead and go to the next level could directly go ahead and do that. And so this could happen in an open marketplace. So this led to a lot of folks actually uh, making very substantial income, particularly from the Philippines during 2020, 2021. 
Uh, and this led to the entire genre of uh, play-to-earn gaming, wherein there is there are players who are playing not just for gameplay or fun and entertainment, as you said in, in Web2, but really looking at it as a profession and saying, okay, can I actually come in, invest a certain amount of money, and then make more, uh, increase the value of the assets and really sell those assets to make more money in the, in the process. So that is the whole play-to-earn uh, um, economy really. Got it. We'll come to play to earn a little later but before that just wanted to understand from a user point of view right I've been playing say web 2 games I deposit money via UPI or credit card in my game whatever mm-hmm. asset that I have to buy. Now when I think of moving to a web 3 or a play to earn game uh, the user needs to buy tokens uh, he or she needs to have a wallet Yeah, that creates a lot of friction so how, how should game developers think about making it frictionless for users so that there's much more adoption than the uh, people who are like more familiar with Web3 and crypto and tokens. Yeah, I think fact remains that uh, the understanding of wallets and crypto and, and how chains operate, etc. Um, is fairly complicated uh, and is a, a significant barrier to entry. And if you look today, most of the gamers would actually not be aware of any of these things because their focus is on gameplay and entertainment and enjoying that process and also the community which comes with it. So from a game developer standpoint, it makes sense to really look at Web3 as an enabling technology, which makes all of this happen while trying to hide the complexity of it, Uh, right? And my guess is that once users get familiar with the idea, you know, two years later, the situation might be different. But right now, at least I feel that the penetration of uh, uh, Web3 and the comfort that users have with it is fairly small. So if you go directly with exposing all the Web3 primitives uh, and say, okay, you know, why don't you create a MetaMask wallet and log in with it, you're going to lose a lot of, uh, lot of gamers. Uh, and you'll be attacking, uh, attracting yourself to a very small subset uh, who understand the, uh, the Web3 phenomena. Right. Coming back to the play-to-earn side, right? I mean, the model in itself seems very interesting. Uh, you come in, deposit money, or buy some characters and start playing upgrade and sell. Uh, in case of Axie, we did see that a uh, lot of users came in. The value of the token went up very high. But for the last six months, things went south. Why did that happen? What are the reasons behind it? Yeah. So I think that the, the thesis behind uh, play-to-earn is that there is somebody who's actually going to buy uh, buy the asset at a higher price yeah. because you're investing money and you're doing that in the hope of buying, which means that there has to be continuously increasing number of users. So this investment has got this particular problem that if the focus is entirely on play to earn, there's nobody who's actually sticking in the game in order to just play. So if you look at a Web2 game, uh, the regular gamers who are free to play and are staying there without in contributing any capital into the game. But the people who are actually buying things, they are not buying things in order to take money out. They are buying things and that is the way in which the money is entering the game economy. And most of it is taken by the game, uh, game developer, right? But in a play to earn, the person who's coming in has got every motivation and every intention of taking money out of this game, which is more than the money which they invested in the game. So they're really, if you think about it, a money out uh, kind of a player. And so what happened is that the focus in in Axie Infinity, and I think that this is a challenge which a lot of the early Web3 games have, 
is that the focus is not on gameplay. And the focus and the positioning of the game is that, hey, look, this is a place for you to come and make money. Uh, when that happens, the core, uh, you know, cohort of users who are there in it for just the gameplay is missing. And I think that that is a big problem. Because for the game economy to be sustainable, there has to be a stable and substantial majority of gamers who are there in it for the gameplay. And then there can be a supporting cast of uh, players who are there for play to earn. So if that is the case, then what will happen is that the players who are in for the gameplay, let's call them regular gamers, right? They will go ahead and buy those assets if they want to enhance or accelerate their uh, their progression through the yeah. game. Uh, and then uh, there will be enough, and the play to earn players who are willing to grind and make these assets available and sell, have a motivation to actually do the supply side of these assets. But there's a much larger demand on the other side. And these uh, these gamers, the regular gamers, are not fleeing the game. They are there who are coming on a daily and weekly basis and continuously uh, playing the game. So that stable cohort of regular gamers was missing in Axie. So as soon as the new users who are joining Axie started tapering off, it led to a vicious cycle where the price of the assets started coming down which led to more people now actually trying to sell their sell their assets quickly on the market. So the supply side increased. The uh, new players started coming down because they said, wait a minute, it looks like the token prices are coming down. So now yeah. there is lesser motivation to enter the game. So the demand started falling even more. Yeah. And so this creates a vicious cycle which leads to, led to a steep fall in that. So now, in fact, Axie Infinity has launched something called Axie Origins about a few months back, back in April, uh, wherein it's a free-to-play element of people entering the game without having to you know, buy three NFTs or whatever and paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to actually enter the game. Because I think everyone's coming to the realization that the core of gaming needs to be an attractive gameplay. And just positioning as play to one is going to be difficult. Of course, you know, it's very early in, the, um, in, the, uh, in this process of this Web 2 to Web 3 transition, but it remains to be seen. So the key takeaway here is uh, whether you're building Web 2 or Web 3, the gameplay has to be as engaging and entertaining for the users to stick and retain on the platform and then add more value, whether it is in terms of in-app purchases or by buying more tokens, selling them in secondary markets and so on. The That's gameplay right. has to be like very... Engaging. There's no game without gameplay, uh, right? That is that's really the core thing. And which means that uh, attracting the user entertainment, uh, creating a right balance of you know how easy it is for the uh, gamers to progress in the game versus how challenging you make it. I mean, all these little nuances which are in the game loop, uh, which game developers uh, focus on, are what Web3 developers also have to focus on. It's no different from that aspect. And additionally, I think they also need to think about the tokenomics, the supply and demand. So could you talk a little bit about that? How do you balance that tokenomic side of things? I mean, you have developed a beautiful game, but at the same time, you need to make sure that the currency in the game is uh, not, it doesn't lead to inflation. Right. Uh, so the value doesn't drop, right? So how should one think about tokenomics while building games? I think it's a really interesting question. And I think that in general, that actually makes uh, running a Web3 game a lot more complex than a Web2 game. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably underestimate that because the market dynamics is not something which you as a game developer can control. It is open. It is transparent. It is sitting on a chain any number of things can happen out there. And just as the stock market, nobody can control because it's driven by supply and demand, 
So is the case with, with these things. So I think that uh, the game developers should think carefully before they even issue a token which trades freely on a chain, on an exchange. Uh, because in most cases, I would argue, it is actually not necessary. And what value is it, uh, uh, it actually providing to the gamers? If that token is not adding to the gameplay, if it's not making the game loop stronger and more attractive for the regular gamers, then I would argue that it is probably not a good idea to go ahead and issue that token. Because now as a game developer, you have to manage that, you know, that economy as well. And then you might have the case of the tail wagging the dog, which is now these tokens are having a life of their own. They're getting bought and sold and very soon the value crashes and then it is trading at some other thing, uh, you know, close to zero. And then new users are not coming in anymore because they look at that and saying, saying that this is a failed game. So you are much better off as a game developer, you might be much better off not issuing the token, which goes trades in the uh, trades in open decks, but actually just provide NFTs, which can be, uh, which can be traded and everything else continues to remain in game currency. So I feel that going forward, what we will see is more of a hybrid. So we will see uh, the, not only the gameplay, but the level of animation and graphics, which we are used to in web two. You know, somebody who has played Valorant or World of Warcraft or Call of Duty or any of those things, these are very, very high-end graphics and yeah. very engaging and immersive experiences. Those experiences uh, will be there in Web3 because these Web2 games will start incorporating Web3 elements. But I also think that the developers will be very careful about willy-nilly introducing tokens. Uh, because as you pointed out, it just creates a whole new dynamic and a whole new, you know, you need to have literally economists in the organization who are looking and trying to understand the dynamics of this, presuming it's a successful game. Uh, and so it's better off, you know, I, I would say at a minimum to do it later once the game itself is successful and you understand how these dynamics might work. But, uh, you know, for Web2 games going to Web3, they might just have NFTs which are sitting on chains, which are being traded. So now the game gamers feel comfortable the play to one, you know, small section of those uh, uh, users also feel comfortable with actually uh, selling assets and buying assets. There is a secondary revenue stream for the game developer. And and that's about it, right? Because and at later time, maybe once the, uh, once the dynamics of the gameplay are very well understood, the game developer might make their token available uh, on a chain. Got it. That's very interesting. So that brings us to the close of it. I have one final question. And you did cover some of that in your last answer. Uh, was how do you see the future of Web3 gaming? How, how do you see that evolving with time? I mean, see, one of the things which has happened with uh, uh, with Web3 is that crypto enables micropayments to happen, right? I mean, just as UPI enabled micropayments to happen for uh, um, for real money games, right? Uh, with the frictionless payments, that particular takeoff and so small amounts of uh, currency could be uh, could be exchanged. Now this has actually gone ahead and uh, uh, enabled that. So it's also borderless, right? Somebody anywhere can actually be uh, participating all over the world in, uh, in this kind of stuff. So I feel that every game will basically become a Web3 game. When I say Web3 game, I use the term a little loosely, meaning that it will have elements of Web3 wherein some of their assets will be sitting on an open chain. 
and and being open to trade uh, right. on that front and different games will probably uh, migrate faster or slower to uh, to incorporating the various web3 elements that is probably one one aspect of it uh, so some of them will use just nft some of them will use nfts plus tokens and and, and so forth the second thing would be i would say that the best games will hide the complexity of web3 from the user and so the onboarding will look as easy as a web2 game you'll use the same login procedures processes which you're familiar with and it could it will be there and as and when you want to you know have your own custody of the wallets and your own tokens and so forth which are slightly more advanced web3 concepts the games will enable you to do that so the more power users can take their assets and keep them within their own custody others can actually keep a centralized custody and, uh, and others might not just be interested in it just interested in gameplay all of these things is happening under the covers so that uh, that's the other thing and the third way i would say final point is that we'll probably get a better understanding of the tokenomics and we might actually have more uh, nuanced and uh, more regular you know uh, versions of that wherein there's a greater control over what you can and cannot do where speculation can be eliminated right because uh, ultimately gaming is supposed to be long term franchises some of these games are like 10 15 years old they are like can you imagine like they're getting newer and newer versions and 7 8 9 10 10th version of these games and they have loyal users who are continuing with it and that is the idea of a successful game not you know folks who come in make some money get out and create a lot of churn in the way So I think there'll be a lot more focus, a focus on that going forward. Great, thanks a lot, Shripati. This was very insightful. So what I understood from the last part was the journey from Web two to Web three has to go via Web two point five. You can't have a binary transition from Web two to Web three. You'll have to go via the intermediate step. Where there'll be some elements of Web two while you try to build things on the Web three side, which is on asset ownership, on tokenomics, etc. And with time, you will finally evolve and become like a full fledged Web three game. Absolutely, and not everybody might actually go there right. because it just might not, if it may, it might or might not make sense to them. But ultimately, these games will be immersive. They will be entertaining, and it will be about gameplay. Great! Thanks a lot. Thanks, Garo. Dear listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast app for free, and you'll be the first one to know when new episodes are available. Just search for Prime Venture Partners podcast in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Castbox, or however you get your podcasts. Then hit subscribe. And if you have enjoyed the show, we would be really grateful if you leave us a review on Apple Podcast. To read the full transcript, find the link in the show notes.